Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... Bills Mafia, what is up? We are here inside Wingnuts, North Buffalo, 700 Military Road for the monthly live edition of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. He's Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. And this is the man, the myth, the legend right here, the creator of it all. And how are you, buddy? Nice to see you. Nice to see you. How are you today? I am awesome. And as always, what's become tradition on the live show is you let us into the journey a little bit, the wingnuts journey, how this has come to be. It all started long ago in just with a couple of friars, and now it's become this multi-platform, multi-place explosion in Buffalo, and you got a story. It's story time. Yes, I do. So when wingnuts first opened, it was August, five years ago, and we were one month away from the NFL regular season. We had no idea what was going to happen. And when the season started, Wingnuts got pummeled with people from Toronto. They would come in, they would go to the game, come to eat, and then go home. And about three weeks in, we realized this is a pattern. And it didn't matter if the Bills were at home or not anymore. They were coming in for wings. So one day we had all these people from Toronto two tables full and they did not know each other. Alicia was working on one table. I was on the other and both of the tables told us the same story. And the story goes like this in Toronto. There is a citywide chat room called wing nuts chat. If you go on it, you are not allowed to talk about chicken wings unless you've eaten at wing nuts. And the kids told me, they said, when we come down from Toronto and we get to the border, when the guard says, where are you going? If we say wing nuts, he lets us right in. I didn't have the heart to tell the kids the border guards eat here, too. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thank you for hosting us every month. It's our favorite time of the month. Thanks, buddy. All right. Ryan Talbot, we got a special guest tonight. But before we get there, tonight's episode is brought to you by Wing Nuts and Listen, I've already seen the wings and the beers flowing throughout the restaurant. It is just absolutely delicious. You got a little sauce on your beer. As usual, it's customary. Yeah, that's just a tradition at this point, Matt. So check out these shirts. You like them? I love them. You like them? What do you think? Thumbs up? Yeah. So little story. When these were released by 26 shirts, I think it was like a little over a month ago, 
I saw it pop up. I think Dell even sent it to us. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to order a bunch of those so we could give them out as, you know, gifts. This is like uh, handouts to fans that come out to the show. Of course, I forgot. Forgot all about it, right? And so when the shirts stopped being produced, they stopped making them. You can't order them anymore. Yeah. Two so, weeks. Yes. We, we realized that we had missed the boat on it. And I did not order them. Don't worry. We're, we're working on some other shout shirt uh, type situations. But Dell is such a class act. He sent us both these shirts so we can rock them. 26 shirts is the best. Yeah. Love Dell for that. What a great surprise it was when we both found them on our doorsteps uh, about two weeks ago. All right. So big week in Buffalo Bills news. Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, both extended through the 2027 season. We're going to dive headfirst into that for the show. But to do that, we're going to bring on a special guest. He came out. He's going on a golf trip tomorrow. Surprise, surprise. Golf trip um, for this guy. Um, he was so cool about it. He's leaving first thing in the morning. He's still packing, but he put his packing on hold so we could come out and be on the Shop Podcast tonight. From WGR 550, host of the pre- and post-game show, Nate Geary. Give it up for Nate Geary. Come on in here, buddy. Right in the middle. Welcome in, dude. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm usually in a radio station with no people, so this is an interesting experience for me. What's funny is I think the last time me and you did something live like this, it was inside the sports equipment store, so you're used to it. Like, you you do this in front of people. Like, you're not that nervous, right? Oh, no, I'm not nervous, but Buffalo sports, yeah, I remember that. So, Ryan, start us off here. A big week, obviously. Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean get their extension. We're going to go around the horn here. Your first thought when that news was announced, perfect timing for Shout on Friday night. Yeah, I like that the Bills uh, released their news around our podcast, Matt, first and foremost. Thank you, Buffalo. Uh, no, honestly, I think both extensions are well-deserved. Listen, you can find problems or you can find weaknesses in both of them in terms of in-game coaching, in terms of maybe some drafting. But both of these guys have helped turn this franchise around, Matt. So I feel like this is a, a worthwhile extension for both uh, the GM and the head coach. And having them in, you know, under contract until 2027 is a good thing for the Bills organization as they have really righted, you know, they, they did right the ship going from that long drought to where they are now. There's two schools of thought. There's two camps to be in. One, that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have brought the Bills to a level of consistency and being a contender that they haven't been in three decades. So, of course, you, you extend them and you keep them here as long as they're still producing those results. And they are, right? I mean, three straight division championships. The rest of the division is getting better. So that, that mission gets harder, but they continue to drive results. And then the other side of this, the other hat, I guess, is that with those consistency or with the consistency that they've been able to generate comes higher expectations. And, you know, obviously last year was a big disappointment. 13 seconds was a disappointment and falling short in the AFC championship game the year before. And you start to look around in like NFL history of coaches that don't get to a Super Bowl by the time they're in their sixth season. You know, typically they don't make it to a seventh or eighth season. So um, you can sit in either of those sort of buckets. I, I think you could probably make arguments for both. I think Sean McDermott, the, the question you have to answer is, can you get better than Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean? And I think that'd be really hard to do. There's a couple pieces of this for me that I think from the outside looking in, like the Bills have made the playoffs in five of six years. 
They've been a very successful operation under both of these guys. I don't think a lot of fans get to – I think you get a sense from it. Like, you know, we saw the groundbreaking at the new stadium um, a couple weeks ago, and you see Terry Pagula, uh, Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott together, and you see the pictures, you see the smiles, but it's not fake. There is a bond there. There is a appreciation from the Terry Pagula side of things from my vantage point that has taken Buffalo Bills football, these two guys – Back to relevance. I mean, we're not just talking about competitiveness. We're talking about relevance. One of the reasons why Sean McDermott, we talked about this in a little while, is on all these national talk shows every week about being on the hot seat. Is he on it or is he not? Is because the Bills are now one of the it teams, not only in football, but in sports. I mean, the Buffalo Bills drive clicks. We know that, right? We do this for a living. The podcast, the articles, all that kind of stuff. If you're talking or writing about the Bills, it moves the needle. It's always been that way to a degree. But McDermott and Bean have changed the dynamic of this whole thing. And there's a lot to poke in at what Sean McDermott has been in the playoffs. There has been moments, you know, you mentioned it, 13 seconds. We could talk about that probably for a whole show and what went wrong there and what has to change. But what you can't dispute is how much, for the most part, and he's been here six years now, so... You're dealing with a lot of players, but all of the conversations that I have had with players have been about how much they enjoy playing for Sean McDermott. Stefan Diggs, it's been a little bit of a rocky road recently. We're, we're less than six months removed from Stefan Diggs walking up to Sean McDermott on the sideline, putting his head on his coach's shoulder and asking him to be there for him in a moment of frustration. And so I think sometimes you lose the sight of things when you're trying to look through the forest, through the trees, and you forget about all the good things that Sean McDermott has done. I think this is a great decision, and it's the NFL. You can walk these kind of things back anytime. There's a limitless amount of money. This isn't something that, you know, they're they're tied to to 27, even if the contract says itself. Yeah, listen, this is a team that won 13 games despite a lot of uh, off-field tragedies, a lot of key injuries in season. I'm not seeing them going in a downward trend after all of this time. And listen, guys, if I were to ask you right now, who's the best head coach in the NFL? I, I think a lot of people would answer Andy Reid, yes or no. Took him 21 years to win a Super Bowl right. title. Obviously a long stint in Philadelphia uh, before he came along to the Chiefs, but 21 years. I'm not saying that the Bills have to sit around here for two decades hoping for a Super Bowl title, but you do need patience even with some of the best coaches in the league. So here's the thing about all of this is Josh Allen. And yeah, woo, Josh Allen. Having an elite quarterback puts an additional layer of pressure on a franchise, right? And we saw, I think somebody from ESPN this week did an article about teams or organizations in the NFL with the most pressure to win this year. And the Bills were number one. I think that's probably right. They do have a level of pressure because of how good the quarterback is and being able to everyone in the NFL talks about winning a Super Bowl when your quarterback's on his rookie contract, right? Let that that's over with. It gets increasingly harder when you're paying your quarterback $250 million. The Eagles are going to find that out. Kansas city still won with, with paying their quarterback, but they're going to, they decided to trade away Tyreek Hill because of that. So when you have a quarterback as good as Josh Allen, Everyone else that is a part of the decision-making process, the general manager, the head coach, you have a different level of expectation than an Andy Reid, who was Donovan McNabb was a great quarterback, probably not a Hall of Fame quarterback, 
any point wasn't the best quarterback in football or considered one of the best quarterbacks in football. He got the best quarterback in football and won it in his first year as a starter. So when you are talking about this league, it's a quarterback driven league and you have one of those guys, you have to win when he is in his prime and at 26, going to be 27 years old. I'm not here to tell you the time is ticking. I'm 31. I could still, you know, I could still get it going. I don't even worry about that. So he's got a couple more years of that elite level football left in him. But what makes him elite? His running ability and his passing ability. Do you imagine Josh Allen's going to be leaping over guys when he's, you know, our age, our young 30s? Who, Way are, you too lo- generous. who are you looking at? No, I was just trying to make you guys feel better because I'm younger than both of you. <laughs> You're a lot younger than me. Actually, funny story. Um, I thought for a long time that Ryan was older than me. So much so Ouch. for the like four years, I kind of like joked like on the podcast even and like with people like, you know how you tell like dad jokes or like old jokes. I made him like he was actually older than me. And then one day he's like, hey, Perino, you idiot. I'm younger than you, dummy. And I'm like, well, crap. I Listen, it's probably it's a little extra confidence because of the hair. I get it. it. Trust me, I get it. I would have known. I could have guessed he was younger than you. Well, he acts younger than me. Let's just say that. Well, not really. Also, shout out, Ryan, you got to tell people about this so that they know what's coming. So one of the the June, July title sponsor of the audio version of Shout, get ready for this, everybody, is Manscaped. Yes. Yes. Great product. I tried it out. And then we had to do four reads for the podcast. We did four reads, 90 seconds each. How long did it take us, Ryan? took us a little over 30 minutes. <laughs> you know, we were laughing every few minutes. Uh, Matt had a few, uh, you know, troublesome reads. I think he had the tougher tougher of the two assignments uh, in terms of what he read about. What, what was that one? It's going to be, what was it called? Uh, smooth Ball Summer. No, I don't think, Smooth Sack Summer. Oh. Yeah, Smooth Sack Summer. That was one of my reads for this thing. So just get ready for this. It's, it's going to be uncomfortable. But we are going to get rid, we are going to put out an outtakes because we did it on a video as we were recording these. Some of these outtakes are going to be super funny. So get ready for those. Um, All right. I want to get into more of this. Today's show is brought to you by Wingnuts, North Buffalo, Inside Froth Brewing Company. We are out here having a great time. Everybody is eating wings, drinking beers. It is one of our favorite nights. And not only on these nights do we do the podcast, but we close this place down. We're hanging out afterwards. We're talking with Bills fans about your team. And this is a very important time as we move five weeks till training camp. We're going to kind of ratchet things up over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be fun. Before we move on to the next topic, I want to get into the approval rating. Okay. And I'm going to start with Brandon Bean. And because Sean McDermott is a a fun conversation because I feel like he's taking a lot of heat nationally. And that'll be part of the conversation in a minute. But where is Brandon Bean's approval rating for you guys? For me, I still think it's kind of through the roof. If I was doing it at a scale of zero to a 100, I'd put it in that 90 to 100 range only because the guy is still pulling off unbelievable moves that fly so far under the radar. I think Leonard Floyd has the potential to be one of those kinds of moves that a general manager makes that is a difference maker move in January and February because right now there's so much to be made about like Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa. Will they find their potential will they be the player that they were drafted to be but you don't even have to worry about that now because you went out and gotten a guy that has consistently delivered you double digit sacks in the past 
Yeah, I think high 80s, low 90s for Brandon Bean is a fair assessment for him. It goes down to the drafting for me in terms of why he gets a little bit of a knock on his overall grade. And you mentioned it, you know, Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, uh, they're not going to have to be on the field as much as, uh, you know, maybe in years past when you have Leonard Floyd, you have Von Miller what coming back from a, a serious injury, and obviously Greg Rousseau, who's coming off of an eight-sack season. But drafting that late, I know it's more difficult when you're drafting in the 20s, I want to see more hits on day one and day two. I feel like there's been too many misses there. That being said, the is way that, he sh- is that Bean's fault or is that the coaching staff's fault? I mean, we just spent a big chunk of an episode two days ago talking about the Kyrie Elam experience and where the blame falls on that. Because sure. to me, the biggest one of the biggest pieces of that is a disconnect between the talent evaluators and the people that are in charge of developing that talent. No, and, and that's a fair point. But, you know, in in terms of the positives, the way that he structures contracts, the way that you can get out of some of them, uh, some of these one-year deals he's been able to sign with guys like Puna Ford and, you know, we mentioned Leonard Floyd. Those are the the positives, and he's done a lot to turn this team around. So definitely more positive than negative when it comes to Bean for me. So I'll use the number three for Brandon Bean because I think you got Howie Roseman, Brett Veach, and probably Brandon Bean is the top three general managers in the NFL. And what Ryan's talking about is part of how you continue to keep that window open is by drafting guys, hitting on them, having them be early uh, contributors, and then signing and retaining those players. And, you know, obviously Josh Allen gets the big $250 million contract. To me, when you're the general manager that drafts Josh Allen, you've got a nice like 10, 15 year buffer for me, um, you know, to be one of those guys that, you look at and say is one of the best general managers in the league and kind of to Ryan's point, I, I don't really think the, the knock on Bean is his ability to find good free agent acquisitions. They're really able to find mid-level B type free agents um, every year that come in and contribute. It's in the draft though. Part of this conversation though, it's hard to evaluate rookies on this team and this organization because of how deep they are. They are not just walking into an organization in day one making impacts because they have to beat other veteran players. But wait, Spencer Brown gets to. Well, they don't have a lot of depth at the right tackle position, you know, but like you talk about linebacker, you talk about safety, you talk about cornerback. Last year, you had Dane Jackson, who was an established NFL player. You had um, Benford, who they drafted later on in there. And then you just had a whole bunch of guys fighting out for one position. And obviously you want to see your first round pick win that. But I think what it speaks to is his ability to find those bottom of the roster players, which a lot of teams around the league, that's really where they struggle the most is filling the back end of the roster. So when you lose top end talent, a Micah Hyde, you have a DeMar Hamlin that can fill in. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. What is up, everybody? This is Matt Prino from Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast, here to talk to you about Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player staff projections and watch the winnings roll in. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. 
Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Prize Picks with as little as four correct picks. You could turn $10 into $1,000 with NBA, NHL, and college basketball entries today on Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT. S-H-O-U-T for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today and use the code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Very interesting conversation. I want to keep this thing moving around and, and move on to Sean McDermott. We'll talk about the approval rating and also... What is the deal with this incessant call for his head nationally? Like, I mean, if you tune into First Take, FS1, whatever it is, the consistent narrative is, you know, Sean McDermott's not a good playoff coach. And listen, there's been moments. And, you know, is he on the hot seat? Should the Bills move on from him if things don't go well in 2023? I'm sitting here right now, extension or not, there's not a single scenario I think that could play out in 2023 Outside of maybe, you know, completely missing the playoffs with Josh Allen healthy, you know, finishing fourth in the AFC East. I'm talking about the worst doom and gloom type of situation that would even pose a consideration from the organization to move on from Sean McDermott. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, that seat is not hot at all when it comes to Sean McDermott. He's going to be A-OK this year and for the foreseeable future. And yes, you did mention that these contracts, you can get out of them fairly easily, but... I think that, one, Terry Pagula has a lot of confidence uh, in this regime, both Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. And listen, everyone sits there and says, well, you you know, he he struggles in the playoffs. They should replace him. With who? It's a crapshoot in the NFL. You could think you have the next great head coach, and we've seen how many times those guys flop and fail. There is no perfect formula. So, you know, I'm not saying the Bills should just stay with the status quo, but – with what they've had with uh, with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, there's no reason to turn back right now. Let me ask you a question. This is a little bit off the wall. So one of the consistent things that I read on social media is like, oh, Brian Dable, like letting him get away was the worst thing that happened to the Bills. You couldn't really control that because he was going to be a head coach. If you were an NFL owner, right? And, you know, obviously I mentioned it already. Terry Pagula is a big fan of Sean McDermott. I don't think this is based in reality, but I'm, this isn't a reality question. You're an NFL owner, not a, you know, talk radio guy. So if you had the chance, if you were like internally thought, okay, we have the quarterback, the trends in the league tell us that offensive head coaches just are, are doing it better at this stage in the NFL. Would you think it would be off? What would happen to an owner who fired the current coach who was going to the playoffs and had the best winning percentage of franchise history and just promoted the guy that they didn't want to leave. And 
Is there be any world where that could happen? No. I, the Brian Dable situation is what it was. He was on a trajectory to be a head coach in the NFL, and it wasn't going to be here because you had an established head coach. I, I think the national media look at this is everyone views the NFL as an offensive passing league. Right or wrong, like it or not, defensive coaches have at least what it looks like now, a shorter leash or a shorter attention span from the national media, because if you can't get it done with the quarterback, right? Like which is what I was talking about earlier, when you have Josh Allen and you're a defensive coach, they're going to look at you to say the reason you can't win isn't because of the quarterback or the offense that was number two ranked in the NFL. I will say that when this defense has gotten to the playoffs, other than the Ravens game in 2020, they have not lived up to the same reputation that they've built for themselves during the regular season. And that's a reflection of the defensive minded head coach. I, I also think Brian Dable was going to be gone, whether he was a head coach or not. There was definitely a little bit of tension between Brian Dable and Sean McDermott. And that's another thing, right? When you're a defensive coach, you are going to have by nature, or at least what people believe by nature to be a more conservative mindset even though the numbers suggest on fourth down in the red zone and, you know, throwing the football that Sean McDermott is one of the more aggressive coaches in football, but that it almost doesn't matter because whatever the analytics community says about these coaches, people have these predisposed opinions of defensive coaches. And when you're the one defensive coach in the AFC playoff race and all of the other ones are offensive coaches, you are going to be looked at in a different light, right or wrong. All right, I want to move on in a different direction here. We got two more topics that I want to get to before we get out uh, and hang out with all these uh, awesome Bills fans in the house. So, Ryan, I want to ask you this, because another piece of news that came down this week that was kind of buried a little bit, and it was a little bit strange because we talked a little bit on the podcast over the course of the offseason, is like you have a defensive line filled with young players, young, talented players, players drafted in the first and uh, second round, over the last couple of years, interior and exterior, and their position coach, Eric Washington, gets promoted this week to assistant head coach. So I think in a lot of ways from the outside looking in, I look at that move and I say, okay, if you're Sean McDermott, it's like, I'm not making you defensive coordinator because I'm going to handle that, but I don't want you to feel like you're being passed over. So we're going to give you a little bit of a promotion. Was it deserved? They talk very highly of him, Von Miller, all the way down. And what, you, what do you make of the move in general? Yeah, so in general, listen, they brought in Al Holcomb after everything that happened uh, with Leslie Frazier, and there are a lot of questions. I think, if anything, this reestablishes the pecking order on this team. Uh, who could eventually be the next defensive coordinator if Sean McDermott decides to pass that baton on? Eric Washington, from the outside view, I understand why some people are saying, listen, I don't get it, and... He, his tenure in Carolina ended poorly. You see the talent that the Bills have had, and they've disappeared in big-time games with those defensive linemen. But looking at the way that Von Miller speaks about him, the way these different D-linemen speak about him, the way that other D-linemen want to come here and play, like your Puna Fords, like your Leonard Floyds, I think that's because they respect the work of Eric Washington. And what goes on behind closed doors in those meetings and in you know these uh, practices that we don't see i think that washington has earned a lot of respect from the players i've never seen any fan base 
go after or hate on a position coach like a lot of people hate on Eric Washington. I'd like to think that I know a little bit about football and that I watch a lot of football and that I'm pretty plugged in with the Bills. I don't feel I have enough information to really make an opinion one way or another, whether he's a good coach or not. So if I can't do it, I just don't understand how how many people have such strong opinions about a defensive line coach that, you know, listen, if you want to talk about development, right, you want to talk about developmental features of a coach. Yeah, your position coach is responsible for developing young players at the position. You know, Ed Oliver just got paid $17 million a year. I know he's inconsistent. That's a former top 10 pick. He's pretty he's considered a good player across the league. They have Von Miller, who, by the way, before the injury was probably was eight sacks in eight games. So he does have players that do perform and do put up numbers. I just don't know enough about defensive line to tell you whether or not he's teaching the right techniques or not, or that he's getting the most out of his players. And I don't know how anyone else can. So I, I get that people are a little puzzled about the hierarchy now. And I think that's a totally fair thing to ask questions about. I, I, I just, I really struggle with how universal it seems like maybe hates a strong word, but displeasure with Eric Washington is when I don't think a lot of people really know what it is he does. Well, I think it's like you mentioned, like Bill's fans are so plugged into this stuff. They read all the articles, they read the tweets, they listen to Brandon Bean talk about these players after they get drafted. It's like you set in your mind a set of expectations for a player when they don't, when they don't miss, meet those expectations. You got to find somebody to blame, right? And there's a piece of it for the players. Listen, I sat down and had lunch with Boogie Basham over this offseason. I wrote a story about him going into his third season. And one of the things he told me is like he tries not to go online and read like what people write because it can be like something that totally brings you down. But at the same time, like he knows like what he signed up for. He knows, you know, being in the NFL and playing at this level is going to be something that you're going to face a lot of that. There are so many factors for why a player in the NFL ascends and becomes successful. It's, you know, where you're drafted, I think, matters in the NFL. What system you're drafted in. And then it's the job of then the position coach to try to get the most out of you with what you're being asked to do. Eric Washington isn't asking the the defensive line to do different things than Sean McDermott's asking the linebackers or the corners or the safeties. It's all one unit. Whether it's trying to maybe put guys in schemes that maybe they're not built to play in. I think AJ Ebenezer in this, I don't really view him, especially when he came into the NFL as a four, three defensive end. He had to lose weight. He had to really reshape his body to become the player they wanted him to be within the system. I wouldn't necessarily put that on Eric Washington. That might be more of a, a general manager thing. That might be more of a scheme thing, which it's not his scheme. I just think that it's easy to maybe look at right directly at the position coach while maybe not accounting for a lot of the other layers that it takes for success in the NFL. Yeah, and, and I think maybe the reason he gets so much criticism is he's a, a, a Carolina guy. And when you bring in those guys that you coached with in the past, it's does he really deserve to be here? Does he really deserve that promotion? Is it just kind of a previous relationship type of deal? But no, he, he does. He does have a track record. And you know, we, we talked about Von Miller, eight sacks in eight games. A.J. Epinesa quietly has a six and a half sack season. Uh, year one to year two of uh, Groot, as the fans call him, went from four sacks to eight sacks. So Greg Rousseau 
grew as a player. So that you are seeing those guys show up. Daquan Jones was a great fit in that D-line. So there were guys that played very well last year, and maybe Washington doesn't deserve as much criticism as it gets. We're out here in North Buffalo, Wingnuts, 700 Military Road. He's Nate Geary. He's Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. We are talking all things Buffalo Bills, and I want to get to one last topic, and we're going to go around the horn. It's going to be a really hot summer for a lot of Buffalo Bills players. This is You mentioned it, how deep this roster is. This is going to be a tough roster to make. There's guys that are going to be fighting for jobs that they're going to have to blow things up in the summer to even have a consideration. Guys like Cam Lewis, who have been on this roster the last couple of years, there's no easy path. Even Saran Neal, who had this um, contract extension recently, you can't just be a special teamer anymore. You've got to offer multiple things. So let's go around the horn. Let's talk about 53-man roster projection coming out next week. Who is a Bills player that you feel like needs to have a great summer to have a chance to make this roster? So, you know, based on our previous conversation, maybe I'm up going off the wall here with this one, but I'm going to go Naheem Hines. You have James Cook, who has come out this week and said, yeah. I'm obviously running back one. What do you think the Bills thought of that? Sean McDermott. Your running back's got to be confident. It's like the quarterback, right? You got to have confidence. I love it. I don't think I've ever heard Devin Singletary utter anything with that kind of swagger. No, Singletary was just like a, hey, you know, I'll do whatever the coach asks me to do. I'll be there. I, I like the swagger from James Cook. But then you bring in Damian Harris. Harris, when healthy, uh, is a really good, you know, between the tackles, tough runner, someone that you anticipate to make this roster. Latavius Murray, maybe he's more on the hot seat than Hines. But he's someone that's also rushed for at least 500 yards in every season since his rookie year. So you have a lot of guys that can actually run the ball. They bring Hines in last year, and he gets, what, nine offensive touches yeah. uh, after being acquired at the trade deadline. That worries me. And now you have this new rule on the NFL kickoffs that I'm not saying the Bills are just going to automatically take the yardage, but he doesn't need to take those kicks back anymore. It's not as important. So... I think it's really important for Hines to come in, establish himself as a runner, establish himself as a pass catcher out of the backfield, and show that even with this new rule, he can uh, still help the team in terms of return yards. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that I mentioned a little while ago, Christian Benford. It's a rookie, sixth, seventh round pick? Sixth, sixth round pick. He's a rookie, or a, first, a second year, sixth round pick with an opportunity to essentially uproot the guy that was drafted in the first round of his draft year. And I think the number two cornerback position outside of middle linebacker might be the most high profile battle going into training camp. We're going to see this year. I still think that Kyer Elam is going to elevate and become that full-time cornerback too. I really loved what I saw from him at the final stretch of the regular season and into the playoffs became that consistent player. Um, he's long. He can play in man coverage. He can, he showed some things in zone this year, which was kind of the knock of him coming out in the draft is could he play zone coverage in the NFL in a scheme that runs a lot of zone. But to me, Christian Benford might be the most interesting player on the entire roster right now. And, and I'm surprised that sort of as a media, as content creators, we're not talking more about him because he started over Kyrie in week one last year. You just told on yourself right in front of all these people, that you don't ever listen to Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. All we've been talking about is Christian Bedford, Nate. 
Well, listen, I'm no Sal Capaccio, okay? No, but I, I, I just, with Christian Benford, I think there's such a unique opportunity for him. And it, would it surprise you if he won the job? No, but I think it would be a problem. Oh, it would be a problem for sure. But I also think it speaks to a higher philosophy of what the organization's about, that if you are going to play, it's because you earn it. And that would be what? I mean, the beacon example of earning it and playing over a guy that they drafted in the first round. I agree that it becomes a problem, but doesn't it kind of wash out? As long as you have a good starting cornerback on the other side of Tredavious White, I kind of don't care where it comes from. Now, then you start talking about the, the general manager and being able to draft guys in the first round. And I get that conversation happens, but I think that conversation goes away if Christian Benford becomes a legitimate starting corner in the NFL. Um, I'm going to throw out my last one here. And I, and I went back and forth between Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa for who I think has to have a hotter summer. What I come back to is Boogie Basham has that extra year of his rookie deal. And AJ Epinesa is coming into a contract year. And so I think like where you're probably going to get production and you, you, you hope that AJ Epinesa takes a step. I think the most pressure is on him if he's on the roster because he's now had three years to find it. And he has it really six and a half sacks is great. And listen, Eric Washington, we talked to him a couple of weeks ago. He's high on AJ Epinesa. He thinks he's going to take this huge step, but I've, we've heard that song and dance before. And so I think with the addition of Leonard Floyd, Von Miller kind of hanging out for a while. Shaq Lawson still in the mix. If AJ Epinesa doesn't come out in and blow people's hair back, and I know that's hard with Sean McDermott, um, but I think he could be a trade candidate, maybe even a cut candidate, as crazy that might sound. No, I, I agree with that because he is still a young player in this league. There are still some teams that are probably high on him and coming off of a six and a half sack season. There are probably teams out there saying we could use a guy like that. Yeah. So, uh, the Bills could acquire some capital. They would still feel really good about having Miller, Rousseau, Leonard Floyd, Boogie Basham. And, and listen, there's other guys in play there, too. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if it played out that way based on the contracts and the years left on the contracts. Well, I'll tell you this is I do think Brandon Bean has an eye towards next year's draft and maybe gathering as many draft assets as possible. Talked a lot this offseason after Tremaine Edmonds signed with the Chicago bears about that compensatory pick that they were getting. And, and I continue to kind of look at next year to say, if you can flip AJ Epinesa for a fourth round, a fifth round pick, I think that's something you might see. I, I also think it's kind of why they're hoarding mid-level offensive linemen, because those are great trade candidates. You know, when you get through camp, a team loses an offensive lineman and needs depth because the league at, as a whole really struggles with depth across the offensive line. So I think, there could be a couple of trades. They're deep on the lines. Now, whether they've got like the guy, the alpha on either line other than Von Miller. But to me, I think Boogie Basham's got an uphill battle to make the roster. I think AJ Epinesa is to me considered the fourth guy. And then you've got Shaq Lawson. So I, I don't know. I, with Floyd, Lawson, Miller, and maybe Von Miller starts on the PUP list. And that gives Boogie Basham an opportunity to get some games and maybe make an impression. But man, to me, it almost sort of feels like his fate might be sealed short of having an unbelievable summer that turns into like some serious, really good performances in preseason games. And that might not even be enough. And I also think that that's kind of fool's gold too, though. But I don't think that 
Bills decision makers should maybe get distracted by. Because AJ Abanessa, we talked about it all last offseason or all last training camp preseason. He looked great. Like he was winning in practice. Like he was doing the things that probably got Sean McDermott, Eric Washington excited about what he could be in year three. And listen, he had six and a half sacks. You got to do something to get those. But it just it never clicked for him. And I, I wonder too if Boogie or AJ Abanessa has this great camp, if that does if you can guarantee that's gonna mean production in season. Might just help their trade value more than anything. Wait, uh, because I do. I look at the defensive line, and it sort of feels like, you know, the Tim Settle and Jordan Phillips conversation, and then the Shaq Lawson, AJ Epinesa, and and you know Boogie Basham conversation. Those are veterans that have value across the league. I, I, to me, I don't think you outright cut any of them. I think you find ways to to flip those for assets. Yeah, that, that's well said. You want to make sure to get any kind of value that you can for those defensive linemen. The guards that you mentioned, I mean, listen, this is the team that was able to get value or get a, a pickback for Russell Bodine. If you can do that for a guy like Bodine, you can do that for a lot of these guys that have uh, plenty of experience and maybe even more upside. All right. Uh, that is going to do it for this show. Nate Gary, my man, thank you so much for coming out. This was awesome. He's Ryan. I am Matt. Wingnuts, get out here. Try these unbelievable wings. I had, I usually get two in before we start the show, and they've just been teasing me off camera the entire time. I've been staring at him the entire time. Yeah. All right. We're going to see you next time. We'll be back next week. We'll be back right here next month. Stay tuned for details. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.